Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Hello, everybody. Well, the Bill Barr bald assertion is in. The Mueller report is in, too. We haven't seen it. But the Barr letter, or the Barr bald assertion, that has been submitted. My name is Jefferson Smith. I'm sitting in for our dear friend Tom Hartman, who is out of the country as we try to come to grips with what we know and haven't yet learned. Want to start with the facts. What are the facts? What do we know now? Other questions we'll raise. What do we think about this investigation? What do we think about Bob Mueller's role in it? What conclusions can we draw given we haven't seen it? What we've seen is a four-page letter from Donald Trump's appointed new attorney general. What was Bill Barr's role? Did he do his job? What job was he hired for? Later on the show, I want to ask this question. Why might this be good for democracy? If it's not a silver lining, why might it be a steel lining? And how might we need to steal ourselves? Why do we need to see the whole report? Why isn't Bill Barr's word, his four-page letter, his brief conclusions sufficient? And as I intimated, what now? We want to hear from you today. This has dominated, I think, far too greatly the public discourse for the past two years. I think it has far too greatly dominated the discourse for the past two years. That said, given that it has dominated the public discourse, we ought to have at least a little bit of discourse about what's happening now. I want to start with facts. Facts first. Conclusions, second. In fact, part of my concern, spoiler alert, with the Bill Barr bald assertion, is that it makes me a little nervous, and not just me, but the person who wrote the special prosecutor statute, that it seems like he may have made conclusions first and facts second. But let us deal in facts first, conclusions second. Conclusions Yes, based on principles, but if those principles go so far as to bend the facts, then they drift into the worst shade of ideology. This is not how democracy can work. So whether it's climate change or immunization or gun violence or the health impacts of wealth disparities, let's lead with facts. Here are some. What we do know 
is that there is a charge, that there is significant evidence demonstrating that there was Russian attempted interference with American elections in 2016. There are basically four conclusions that have been drawn. One was that there was Russian interference. And I'll borrow from Ari Milber, who said if all of this stuff came out today, if each of the four things I'm about to say came out today, if each of the indictments came out today, it would be one of the largest bombshells in political history. But because it's happened over time, today, the presidential propaganda apparatus has a sentence in a four-page letter that they can use to say complete exoneration, which is what they've been saying. What I would say is that if all the information came out today, it would seem like a big, big deal. I also, later in the show, want to talk about why and justify my claim that there's been too much attention on the Mueller investigation from the beginning and that we have to put more attention where it ought to be and I'll talk about where I think that ought to be. But if we say facts first, conclusions second, here are some of the facts and some of the conclusions that have been offered. First, Russian interference. Second, 37 indictments. Now a bunch of those are Russian nationals. We are not an extradition country with Russia. We do not have an extradition treaty. We cannot bring over all of the Russian nationals who have been charged, but seven Americans. Those Americans include the two people who have worked with the current president literally longer than anyone other than members of his immediate family. His lawyer and fixer, and Roger Stone, Michael Cohen being the first, and Roger Stone, and a third person being his campaign manager, Paul Manafort. That's second. Third, that Robert Mueller did not charge conspiracy between Russia and the Trump campaign. So he said there was a Russian conspiracy. There was an effort by a nation state to interfere with American elections. That is charged. It is not charged that that was in close cahoots with the Trump campaign. I want to be really careful about something, though. First, I don't want to go so far as to say, oh, based on my opinions of the current president of the United States, I have more facts than Bob Mueller has, or even more facts than Bill Barr has. I don't want to do that. But I also I want to implore us to ask other media organizations to be careful. When they offer headlines that say Mueller finds no conspiracy, Mueller finds no connection between Russian interference and the Trump campaign, that is not accurate. First of all, because we have not seen the Mueller report. Sec so at the very least, it needs to say Bill Barr finds. But second of all, let's say what it finds. What it found is it was not charged. One of the things we need to understand by looking at the Mueller report is was that because there was evidence that demonstrated it didn't happen? Or because based on the standard of proof, which would happen in a criminal proceeding, and that's beyond a reasonable doubt, and based on the conspiracy charges require intent information, it wasn't charged because it would be too hard to prove. The latter seems at least as likely, maybe more likely than the former. So when they say, ah, it showed that there was not a conspiracy, let's be really careful. And some media organizations have been better than others. That what we know is that the Attorney General, selected by this president, has said that there was insufficient 
evidence to charge that is different than saying that conduct did or did not occur. The fourth thing, again, first, there was Russian interference, or at least enough evidence to indict. Second, there were 37 indictments. Third, that the, uh, there was not a charge of connection with the Russian conspiracy to the White House. And fourth, that there was no exoneration on obstruction. Let's dwell on this for a moment. The argument by Bill Barr, and by the way, this was his argument before he had seen the Mueller report. <laughs> this was his argument before he was attorney general. This was his cover letter to apply for the job. Well, he said, well, the president gets to do stuff. And because the president gets to do stuff, it's very hard for president to be accused, indicted and convicted of obstruction of justice. The claim that there was no obstruction of justice is that it was not charged, but that's different than the previous claim. It is different than the claim on conspiracy. We'll talk about why and how right after this break. This is the Tom Hartman Program. What are the critical facts that we need to have in our minds? We'll be taking your calls coming up next. Everyone's talking about the decline in stock values over the last few months. If you've been listening to Lynette Zhang's YouTube show, you probably aren't surprised by the fall. Her fact-based research on markets, currencies, and economics is second to none. And her presentations have pointed to most every major downfall we've recently seen in the U.S. economy. Her video titled Just Before the Crash showed people the exact patterns to look out for and now has over 210,000 views and counting. Lynette Zhang has been on my show and works with my friends at ITM Trading. I highly recommend looking them up as they are pioneers in creating wealth protection strategies with gold and silver. If you're a strategic investor looking to protect your wealth or just hedge against the most volatile markets since 2007, then call my friends at ITM Trading at one own gold Ask for their free gold protection guide and join the top 1% who are now accumulating very specific types, dates, and qualities of physical gold and silver. Call 1-888-OWN-GOLD. That's 1-888-O-W-N-G-O-L-D. This is the Tom Hartman Program. We're reading today from Truth in Our Times by David E. McCraw, uh, Deputy General Counsel of the New York Times, the uh, number two lawyer for the New York Times. This is in chapter one, titled Election Day. It opens with a, a tweet from Donald Trump. The failing New York Times has been wrong about me from the very beginning, said I would lose the primaries on the general election. Fake news. November 8, 2016. At 10 p.m., I made one last circuit of the newsroom. Our CEO, Mark Thompson, stood near the political desk, looking on with his wife and a small group of others connected somehow to the Times. Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Michigan remained in doubt, but the reality was sinking in. Donald Trump was on the verge of winning the American presidency. I'd been in newsrooms on election nights before. I know how it's supposed to be. The only thing that ever mattered was the horse race, think Gore Bush, or the historic moment, think Obama-McCain. There was no investment in which candidate was winning. He or she was destined to disappoint in the long run. And the dominant emotion was a certain not-quite-cynical detachment amid the electric buzz of the vote count and projections and the anticipation of relief that the endless push of the campaign was finally over. But this night was like no other election night. 
there had been an investment, not just journalistic, but spiritual. Donald Trump had campaigned not just against Hillary Clinton, but also against the New York Times and the American press, the mainstream American press. And his astonishing rise to the top of the Republican Party had been built on his near-daily attacks on facts, on the very idea that facts matter. For journalists who approach truth like a secular religion and who have seen a thousand times how before how a single true story could gut the political career of a lying politician, it had been a year of faith-shaking disbelief. A line had not just been crossed, but obliterated. The shock was palpable as the numbers came in, laced for some with the fading hope for a different outcome among people who generally wanted nothing more than a story worth telling. And there was still a paper to put out, a reckoning to account for. It was too much on an already long night. I slipped away. At the elevators, I ran into Sue Craig and a guy who was obviously not from the Times. Sue had broken one of the biggest stories of the campaign. She was the one who went to her mailbox one day in September and found pages from Donald Trump's tax returns in an envelope. She introduced me to her acquaintance. He had once worked for Trump. I didn't ask why he was there. Like me, Sue had decided to get away. It's too weird here, she said. We all got on the elevator. Sue, who had written a devastating story about Trump, me, whose letter to Trump's lawyers had lit up the internet for a week in October, and one of Trump's guys. We rode in silence, a strange tableau on the strangest night of the year. Fourteen hours earlier, as I came into the building, the Times security guard had called me over. They wanted to make sure I knew about the plans for the next morning. In the quirky ways that things happened at the Times, I had become the lawyer to see for all the things that security guys encountered, from the intruder who pilfered women's shoes to the anonymous letter weaponized with razor blades. The Times was printing thousands of extra newspapers, and tables were going to be set up outside for all the people who would be showing up to buy the New York Times for posterity's sake. The headline, I later learned, was going to read, Madam President. Nearly half the country had voted for the man. I had just spent a weekend in October back in rural Illinois in my hometown, and for a moment I allowed myself to see the coverage through the eyes of the rest of America, where, at least for this one night, his victory represented a certain kind of hope that change was going to come at last. Truth in Our Times by David McCraw. This is the Tom Hartman Program. I'm Jefferson Smith sitting in. And joining us now, Congressman Ro Khanna, U.S. Congressman, 17th District from California, Yale Law School graduate, 2001. We're talking about the Bill Barr letter. We're not talking about the Mueller report because we don't have a Mueller report. Congressman, thank you so much for joining us. What surprised you or what didn't surprise you at all from the Bill Barr bald assertion letter? Well, first of all, we know now, beyond a doubt, that the Russians interfered in the election, that the Russians wanted Donald Trump to win, they hacked emails to make that happen, and they used social media to manipulate people and to spread propaganda. Mueller conclusively uh, finds this. So all of the Trump going to Helsinki and saying he believes Vladimir Putin more than our intelligence agencies, all of that is just flatly false. Second, we know that Mueller, uh, after two years, found the compelling evidence of uh, possible obstruction, so much so that he said the president can't be exonerated. And here's what Mueller intended, because Mueller is a humble person. He didn't want to overstep. He said, look, let this evidence uh, go to Congress or uh, go to the American public, and it's for them to decide what to do with it. No one asked Bill Barr in 24 hours or 48 hours 
to try to make opine and make a decision on something that Mueller was unable to do for two years. And he just blatantly inserted himself in the process and makes a conclusion with no validity and something that he is not uh, supposed to do. I mean, the correct protocol should be for this evidence to come to Congress and for Congress to debate this. Connect the dots on why seeing the report itself, not just the bar letter, and not even yet the bar summary, but seeing the report itself, why does that matter? The current regulations, not statute, the current regulations lay out this process that says, well, the Department of Justice provides a summary. Why is it important to see the full report? For two reasons. Let's take both the obstruction case and the collusion case. Let me start with the collusion or conspiracy issue. I take at face value Bob Mueller's conclusion that there is not enough evidence to prosecute Trump or people in his campaign for a criminal conspiracy with Russia. But that doesn't mean there may not be a lot of evidence about inappropriate conduct. And the country deserves to know Uh, whether the Trump administration had contact with the Russians and what the nature of that contact was. And it may be ethically inappropriate or certainly something that we want to prevent future campaigns from doing, even if it doesn't rise to the level of a criminal conspiracy. So out of transparency, we need to know exactly what happened. And that's one of the reasons to have the report out. Second, on the obstruction issue, Mueller explicitly refuses to take a position. My guess is, and I obviously it's an educated guess because I haven't seen the report, is that's because the Mueller found significant evidence of a possible crime. And he didn't want to be the one making the determination of whether the president committed a crime or not, because he thought that was a determination for Congress to make. So we need to see that evidence of the report, and then we need to look at constitutional scholars and get their input on whether they think that constitutes a crime or not. It's certainly not for uh, Bill Barr to make that determination. Who did you think, or who do you think Bob Mueller thought should be making that determination? You had said, well, nobody asked Bill Barr to to weigh in. Well, I suspect the president asked Bill Barr to weigh in, at least implicitly upon hiring him. But if Bob Mueller, and and, and I offered my own thoughts, and on air, heck, on air, as soon as Bob Mueller was appointed, I didn't expect Bob Mueller to be the kind of person, I think there's been more lionization of him that was merited, at least for people who, who really wanted somebody to dig into the president. I saw somebody who was, uh, who seemed to be uh, of the infrastructure, of the apparatus, of the power structure, not necessarily somebody who wants to disrupt that power structure. But who do you think Bob Mueller thought should be making the determination of whether or not to indict the president? Because if he thought it was supposed to be Bill Barr, shouldn't if he, I mean, wouldn't he know what Bill Barr would say? You're, you're absolutely right. That's, that's, a, that's one of the best points I haven't. I've been uh, talking to pundits and journalists all day, and no one has made that point, that if he really thought it would be Bill Barr, he could have just consulted Bill Barr or Rosenstein, who he had to report to, and he could have put that conclusion in his report. The fact that he didn't put that conclusion in his report means that he didn't think that just going to the Justice Department was sufficient. He thought this is a constitutional question. Bob Mueller, by temperament, is a conservative person, not conservative in ideology, just conservative about the role of a prosecutor. Uh, You know, he plays it straight. Unfortunately, that type of personality is up against street fighters and people who have no regard for the rules. So what Mueller thought he was doing is being uh, humble and nuanced and 
submitting this evidence so that there could be a deliberative process in Congress. And I don't think he foresaw that Barr will basically hijack that process and uh, issue his own interpretation. This is why, frankly, we need Bob Mueller to come before Congress to explain exactly what he was thinking. I'll offer another that I haven't heard anybody. We're, and the reason I appreciate your time so much, one of the reasons I appreciate your time so much, is that we're right now in the throes of the early analysis. And that early analysis, I hope there will be more. But so often when I listen to the New York Times commentators, for instance, they say, oh, well, history will judge. I don't know. We kind of move on and forget. I don't remember what the heck happened in Iran-Contra. I just remember some people got away with some stuff and some people didn't. And I know that right. some of the people testified or now have national radio shows. I don't know. The, the Bill Barr, of course. Got, <laughs> exactly. Uh, convinced Bush apart. It's amazing how these figures just are perpetual, right? Like John Bolton comes around and just stays around to kill every constructive foreign policy issue and get us into wars. And Bill Barr just stays around decade after decade to get Republicans out of trouble. I mean, it's, it's really, uh, you couldn't write a novel that's this believable. And, and here's the other, so first of all, amen. Second of all, here, here's the other point that I haven't heard somebody make. And this is, it gets to the, and I want to get sort of your take on it. We can be legal nerds for a moment. I was a law clerk back in the day. I imagine writing a memo like this, right? And, and there were these two arguments. And Bill Barr's argument was essentially, well, because there was no conspiracy, there can be no obstruction because it goes to intent and it shows, well, why would you intend to obstruct justice over something you weren't guilty of in the first place? But the reason I want to see the report is because the conspiracy, if the reason that there is, quote, no conspiracy, in fact, what that means is no chargeable conspiracy, the reason there might not be chargeable conspiracy is, in fact, because of obstruction of justice. In fact, the first might not beget the second, the first might go the exact opposite direction on the second. What else stood out to you? It's just the four-page letter. Were you surprised that Bill Barr came out to be able to beat the Monday news cycles, or is that what you have, what would you have scripted if you were writing what Bill Barr would be likely to do? It doesn't surprise me. The president is so much about the news cycle and putting out his spin and the fact uh, that they use the weekend to try to shape the narrative uh, is a uh, predictable political strategy and it's one that we can't let them get away with. The obstruction charge could in fact be uh, linked to the conspiracy charge but in the opposite way that Bill Barr made uh, the case that it did. He was sort of saying, well, there's no obstruction because there was no conspiracy. But if we were able to read the report and we said, well, there's no charge of conspiracy because we weren't able to get the evidence, and one of the reasons we weren't able to get the evidence is yeah. because the following witnesses lied, and they may have lied because the president, he had demonstrated that his punishment of people that went against him, that's one of the reasons I want to see it. Feel free to comment on that. Or what are you hearing from other members of Congress in terms of the appetite to get the report? And Republicans still have an appetite to get the report now that the bar letter has been written. No, that's really smart. I mean, the one of the reasons that there may not be enough evidence of a criminal conspiracy is because the president intervened and obstructed justice. And uh, that may, as you point out, be one of the reasons that Mueller couldn't prove the case of coordination. And this is something that's so important for us to convey. It's not that Mueller found that there's no misconduct. It's that he said that there's not enough evidence to prosecute a criminal case beyond a reasonable doubt. And that's a very, very high uh, bar. Uh, I also think that uh, when it comes to the obstruction matter, uh, it's important for us to really understand all of the evidence of what 
the president may have done and to understand that people are prosecuted all the time, uh, like Martha Stewart, uh, for obstruction, even if they aren't prosecuted for the underlying crime. Consider this. If someone goes and accuses you of murder and let's say you didn't kill someone, uh, but you decide to go and intimidate people and say, you know what, I'm, I need you to lie on my behalf. I need you to go make sure that you're harassing the jurors. Of course, you're still going to be prosecuted for disrupting the process, even if you may not have killed someone. So the letter, from a logical perspective, makes no sense. What could have happened here is that the president's obstruction, the president's intimidation, the president offering pardons, potential pardons, scared people off and didn't allow Mueller to make the case on coordination or collusion. Mueller didn't say that the president or the Trump campaign had no improper conduct. We don't know. Uh, there may have been improper conduct. He just All he said is he doesn't have the sufficient evidence to make a criminal case beyond a reasonable doubt. It's very possible, as you suggest, one of the reasons he doesn't have that much evidence is because of the obstruction. And this is why we need Bob Mueller to testify. And it's also really important for people to know that in the real world, there are tons of prosecutions for obstruction of justice, even if the underlying crime is improved. Uh, just ask Martha Stewart or many others who have faced that kind of prosecution. And the other thing I wanted to get your thoughts on were your, either anything you witnessed of your Republican colleagues in the House who voted for the release of the Mueller report. Do you see that call continuing for Republicans? Do you see Republicans in the Senate piling on and saying, yes, we do want to see the Mueller report, or do you see now the Senate shielding it or and now hiding behind the Bill Barr four-page letter? I think they did that vote for show. I think the president said, be for transparency. Everyone understands that even 80% of Fox News viewers, I think, wanted the Mueller report public, and they're going to allow Bill Barr to do the dirty work, to claim falsely executive privilege, to try to hide as much of the report as he possibly can. And this is so they can campaign on transparency, but have the administration still not be transparent. What reflections have you had, and maybe it's not quite time for full reflections, but on the back and forth between having special counsel regulations versus an independent counsel statute? Uh, we got the question earlier today, well, why wasn't there an independent counsel? Why wasn't this like Ken Starr? Mueller is very decidedly not a Ken Starr of the left. But why was there, and, and explain well, because the independent counsel statute sunsetted. How are you feeling about the current set of regulations and whether we need to go back to an independent counsel statute or it's just sort of navigating betwixt Asilla and Charybdis and the ship is doomed perhaps no matter which we go? You know, here's the challenge. You know, in law school, they always say don't make law based on bad facts. And the yeah. problem is we've got really bad facts. We've got a president who has no uh, regard for the law, no regard for tradition, no regard for any norms. And so this is why you have, in this case, I wish we had an independent counsel, because you would not have the type of cronyism and political manipulation that you see in the administration. Now, my hope is that Donald Trump, when it comes to a total violation of uh, constitutional principles, is an abnormality, and that we are not going into an era where we are electing presidents who just continue to flout the rule of law. But if this type of pattern of behavior continues, I think this country is going to have no choice but to reinstigate, re, re uh, institute the independent counsel.
And what do you think happens now? What is the what do you think the House does uh, if the if the Senate doesn't uh, pull for the report? What do you imagine yeah. Jerry Nadler doing? Tell us kind of what you think steps going forward. I think there are three things. First, we need to continue to push for the public release of the report. And the talking points that this has classified information or uh, evidence to a grand jury, no Democrat is talking about that. Uh, we, we don't expect classified information to be released. We don't expect evidence that was formally presented to a grand jury. I think you release the rest of it, and that's going to be probably 80 to 90 percent of the report and the documentation. So that's the first step. Second, uh, let's have Bob Mueller testify. Let's Instead of speculating what Mueller was thinking and why he didn't draw conclusions and uh, whether he thought there was uh, sufficient evidence for a criminal charge or not in his reasoning, let's just have him explain that directly uh, to the American public. The investigation is done. His speaking will not compromise anything. Why didn't he ask the president to testify? What was he thinking? Uh, so we need Mueller. And third, now we need uh, the attorney general. I mean, under what authority was he making these conclusions? Uh, had he had a conversation with Mueller prior to making these conclusions about whether he thought this rose to a crime? What did he think Mueller wanted in terms of the evidence? And what is his motivation in doing it within 48 hours? And, and I did want to get to that, the president not testifying. I thought there was going to be a constitutional fight. In fact, I thought that the most recent Supreme Court appointment and confirmation might even bear upon it. That I thought there was going to be a tug and pull about whether the president could be compelled to testify. And surprised that that didn't happen. Surprised that there was not apparently a compulsion to testify. What do you make of that? You know, look, I think Bob Mueller actually is a real patriot, but this is he's, he's sort of the person who was a hall monitor in elementary school and a valedictorian in high school, and he's going up against the schoolyard bully, you know, and the problem is that the bully doesn't follow the rules. The Mueller approach works in a normal political environment, in a normal time where he is someone conscientious and grew up believing in a certain set of norms and values and is a rule follower. And I think that's why he was modest and careful in his approach. But the president exploited that and the yeah. president looked for every loophole. Ro Khanna, thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate it. Really appreciate You're it. You're listening to the Tom Hartman Program. Stealing data from unsuspecting people on public Wi-Fi is one of the simplest ways for hackers to make money. When you leave your internet connection unencrypted, you might as well be writing your passwords and credit card numbers on a huge billboard for the rest of the world to see. That's why I use ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN secures and anonymizes your internet browsing by encrypting your data and hiding your public IP address. Turning on ExpressVPN protection takes only one click. Using ExpressVPN, I can safely surf even on public Wi-Fi without having my personal data stolen. For less than $7 a month, you can get the same ExpressVPN protection that I have. ExpressVPN is rated the number one VPN service by TechRadar and comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Protect your online activity today and find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com Tom. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash T-H-O-M for three months free with a one-year package. Visit expressvpn.com slash Tom to learn more. This is the Tom Hartman Show. Off air, we had a chance to hear from Mark, and, and Mark's comment was, I think there needs to be more analysis of the connection between Donald Trump, he used the word conspiracy, and the media. And my response was and is, that while I want to be very careful about drawing conclusions without facts, we can start with hypotheses and then 
evaluate facts to test those hypotheses. That's how you do science. That's how I think you try to wrestle with facts. That's how you draw conclusions. And what we already know about Donald Trump's relationship to leading journalists, what we already know with his willingness to, with the National Enquirer and their willingness to threaten members of the media, came out more publicly when that threat was made clear to Jeff Bezos, that this is one of the big stories. This is, I think, a bigger story as to whether there was ever going to be a tape of Vladimir Putin himself and Donald Trump himself saying, hey, you want to go steal an election? Because I don't think that tape ever happened. And if that tape ever happened, I think it got destroyed. But I think that something that is a major story that bears upon more than a single election is what are the relationships with the media? And is there, and is it merely, is it merely the old line of, uh, that was offered by the, head of, the then head of NBC, who is no longer the head of NBC, related a little bit to some of the stuff I was just saying. Who said, ah, oh, Donald Trump might be bad for the country, but he's good for NBC. That's been the sort of cover story. But is there more to it than that? I think that's a big one. Let's set that aside for a moment so we can talk to our friend Bob Nay, Talk Media News, TalkMediaNews.com. Bob Nay, how you doing? Hi, how are you, Jefferson? I am well. Are you relieved? Are you thrilled? Are you disappointed? Are you still curious? How are you feeling today? On the report? Yeah. Oh, it's, it's not my job to have emotion about it, just to analyze it. I'm sure you have it no matters. emotions about it. it. What is your analysis? My analysis is that, obviously, the president wins on the no collusion. I mean, it can be twisted or turned, or people can, you know, hate him or whatever, but on the no collusion part, he wins on that. And on the uh, second part, of course, it's a draw and a wash, and that's going to be open for interpretation because, you know, of the fact that you've got the attorney general saying, well, he wasn't exonerated, but he wasn't charged or found to be of you know, criminal intent. So that's, that is going to be the argument area, obviously, I think, on this, because the no collusion part uh, you know, would, be, would be tough uh, to go against Mueller on that. But the other seems to be open-ended. And two um, members of the House, Jerry, uh, Congressman Jerry Connolly and Ro Akana, have said they want Mueller there to testify, which I have to assume, in looking at all this, is going to be the next step, because why would Mueller not come testify? And he uh, most likely should testify and be asked questions. Now, Barr, also the attorney general, but uh, more important, I think, would be also Mueller, because, you know, he's the one that had the attorneys and the FBI and the report and the witnesses and the subpoenas, et cetera. Um, you're more of a legal eagle than I am, but some of the calls for releasing grand jury uh, you know, information is going to be virtually impossible because it would have to sift through things that either were not relevant at the end of the day or otherwise there would be a preoccupation, I think, by some of the corporate media on that and also people you know, uh, to protect them in uh, you know, some of the, of the uh, witnesses. So uh, reports could be released, but... Some of the people calling for the grand jury information, that would be a legal, I think, would be a huge legal battle. It would be interesting, but I think a, a large legal battle. Somebody else had asked, well, will they subpoena Barr? And there may be a claim of executive privilege. But yeah, getting to, get, getting to grand jury testimony goes beyond just executive privilege. Right. That is tricky. But yeah, it seems to me that, that Mueller has got to say something, because there's at least this, and maybe this is me lobbying you. But one of the things that's driven me nuts in the coverage 
And what's driven me nuts in the analysis is that people haven't connected the dots very strongly between Bill Barr's arguments and the so obvious flip that Barr's argument essentially, well, no conspiracy and therefore no obstruction, because why would you obstruct something that hadn't happened? I would view those as, as two completely separate uh, issues because, you know, now Trump, President Trump has called, uh, I forget what the exact words were, that, you know, but basically Mueller is okay because he made his decision. If, if Trump would have known this, he probably would have praised Mueller instead of 157 different tweets condemning him. Uh, but I, I think there's t- uh, completely two different decisions here. One is the collusion of someone directly in the campaign or the president himself with Russia. Obviously, the report shows that Russia did interfere in the campaign. But then the second part is, is obstruction, which is a, is a whole different issue. But I understand, you know, when some people make that logical conclusion, like you were just talking about, it's, it's, not, it's not logical for them to say, well, automatically, no obstruction because the conclusion didn't come out the other direction. Yeah, and we talked to Rokana, and he said, yeah, remember Martha Stewart, she went after, they got her for obstruction, even if they didn't get her for the underlying crime. And I get that, and I hear what you say, that they're separate things, and that is a very legitimate view. I'm arguing an additional view, that they, in fact, are linked, but 180 degrees differently than Bill Barr suggests they're linked. And let me explain that what he is saying is, well, because there's no conspiracy, there's no obstruction. I think there is at least as strong an argument that is the flip side of that, that perhaps the reason it is hard to convict, hard to charge, there's insufficient evidence to charge on conspiracy is because of obstruction. That's why the obstruction is so important. It is a, it is a relatively specious argument to suggest that, ah, well, if they couldn't prove a conspiracy, it's right. obvious there was no obstruction. Actually, maybe the reason they can't charge conspiracy is because of the obstruction. Right. And also, no matter what the conclusion would be in the report, any attempt along the way to influence people or events can be obstruction, as you know, in itself. Well, what are you going to do with yourself now that there's no more Mueller report to talk about? I guess it'll be a gift that keeps I on giving for a little while. to work for a living and research thing. Yeah, there you go. Maybe we can get to the fundamental issues that are impacting our democracy. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. Thank Bob you, May, Talk Media News, TalkMediaNews.com. This Thank is the Tom Hartman Show. I'm Jeff. My friends at X-Chair are at it again, constantly tinkering to make an already superior product even better so you can work in even more comfort and be that much more productive. Now you can enhance your X-Chair's performance and protect your floors with incredible X-Wheel blade casters. These urethane wheels are driven by butter-smooth, whisper-quiet ball bearings and are built to last. As if the X-Chair isn't comfortable enough, now you can add a set of X-Wheels and take your performance to the next level. Take advantage of X-Chair's new financing option and pay as little as $30 a month. Seriously, for less than the cost of a daily cup of coffee, you can take your comfort and productivity into the stratosphere by getting yourself an X-Chair. X-Chair is on sale now for $100 off. Just go to xchairtom.com now. That's xchairtom.com or call 1-844-4X-Chair. X-Chair comes with a 30-day, no questions asked guarantee of complete satisfaction. Go to xchairtom.com now and use the code TOM for a free footrest. That's xchairtom.com, xchairtom.com. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Hey, Tom Hartman here. Just wanted to give you a heads up that Sue, who works on our newsletter, has just been doing an extraordinary job. We have an absolutely free newsletter. You can subscribe to it over at TomHartman.com. And every day she puts together what we call Sue's Daily Stack. It's literally a link to every story I have referenced on the air in the program. We're trying to get the word out. 
so many ways to communicate these messages. So just check it out at TomHartman.com. Thanks for being with us. I'm Jefferson Smith. I am sitting in for Tom Hartman. This is the Tom Hartman program. We are in the final stretch. Important stuff always happens in the final stretch. And right now, the important thing that's going to happen is we're going to hear from Kathy on Free Speech TV from Madison, Wisconsin. How you doing, Kathy? I am. I'm doing fine. Thank you. On Wednesday, Felix Sater, if anybody recognizes that name, is going to be testifying in an open hearing before the House Intelligence Committee. Felix Sater is a guy with a very <laughs> checkered uh, history, longtime Trump associate, although Trump denied that, but uh, was also involved with Michael Cohen. They were all involved in the Trump Tower Moscow project. Apparently, he's going to be testifying about that. He apparently claims that he was dealing with Russians in order to help make that project possible. And of course, as you know, there's all these crazy things about Russian banks and all that kind of stuff. So uh, just people, it ain't over till it's over. (laughs) And I encourage people to watch for that and watch, especially watch for the news later on. It'll be on C-SPAN and I hope that it will be enlightening. The other thing that people have to watch is that there will be attacks on his credibility. They are justified. He's got a very shady past. However, it's the same deal with Michael Cohen. Is he telling the truth now? And so, you know, credibility, you can determine by their comportment and, you know, the information they provide, and everybody can make that judgment. So this is another piece of the puzzle. We don't know the puzzle yet, so. Kathy, thank you so much. You're welcome. Todd wins the Most Patient Listener Award, calling in from Tipton, Indiana. Go ahead, Todd. Hey, thanks a lot. Hey, I don't see how, with what Mueller has done, how do we avoid the retribution and the violence that Trump's going to call on now? Because you already have McCarthy calling for Adam Schiff to leave the House, not just resign his position as chairman, but to leave the House completely. I just don't see how we avoid this now. It's a really important question. We had a call, and I saw this sort of tease line, and the person dropped off. I don't think they waited around, but saying that I think that the words I saw was somebody wanted to say, liberals need to apologize for the investigation. And that this is, the move has been, and to me it's sort of clear, and it's been kind of clear from the beginning. The first move is to limit the scope of what we can be concerned about. Don't be concerned about the fact that the Russian government interfered with American elections so that Donald Trump could win. That is in the Mueller report. Even Bill Barr says that's in the Mueller report. Don't be concerned about that. Only be concerned if that was at the request of or in close cahoots with, in an operational way, members of the, and I'm capitalizing here, Trump campaign, end quote. Limit it to that. Don't worry about obstruction of justice. Don't worry about a vast scheme of corruption. Don't worry about whether Trump, Trump Moscow was in fact something that even didn't have anything to do with the election itself, or if it's not chargeably proved to have something to do with the election, that it's still sort of tricky if you've got somebody running for president, trying to be president, setting campaign policy, including their policy on whether or not Russian sanctions would continue, and they're doing that at the same time that you're trying to buck for a project in the country, a project that where the head of the country is being offered a hundreds of millions of dollars, tens of millions of dollars worth penthouse suite inside, 
that first step is shrink the scope, limit the scope. The next step is limit what witnesses are called and limit what witnesses can say or get witnesses to lie, threaten them to lie some or to be to clam up or to say they don't remember and reward those or hint that you might go more than hint that you might reward those who say what you want them to say. Then get in place an attorney general, instead of the attorney general who accused himself, get in place an attorney general who is, we know two things about. One, we know that they have said, uh, that we know that that attorney general in the run-up to this said, I don't think obstruction of justice is something that really a president can do very much of, except for in a few limited cases, because they're allowed to offer uh, pardons to whomever they want. And we know who was called the cover-up general by William Sapphire of the New York Times based on his role when the last time he served in this position for the elder Bush. That, this, that we know those things. So then you get that guy to then put additional filter. And then you go out and say, you call this thing, which was not exoneration, even after all those filters, you say it's full exoneration. And then after saying full exoneration, you say, ha, now punish your enemies. Now revenge. Now that justifies whatever we want to do. And they should go out and apologize. Folks, it was important to have an investigation. Our conservative listeners, I hope you'll hear this. It was important to have an investigation. We're, we're, let's just say, even if we had averted the very beginning, if we just stipulated Donald Trump gets to stay to be president, Nancy Pelosi already said she wasn't going for impeachment. Let's just say that was never the issue. We just want to understand, if the Russian government was trying to influence our elections, what they did to influence our elections, and how come they did it. That investigation is deeply important for our democracy. Deeply important. There should be no apology for conducting that investigation. There should only be gratitude that there were some resources applied to conduct that investigation. It's really important. One of the reasons it is important to me to carefully characterize what has happened, and I am not saying that there is chargeable evidence that Donald Trump was in cahoots with Vladimir Putin to get him elected president. That, 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 in fact, I never really thought that conversation probably happened. I think it's a little weird that he would have conversations without, a, without any recording there, without any staff there, and then to take away the notes of the interpreter. That's a little weird. Okay. But we have to be careful with the characterization, because if you characterize it like CNN did, where it says, ah, no conspiracy, that was not the conclusion. It was no chargeable conspiracy. I'm going to step on my soapbox to hear from you. But thank you for saying so. Tom, from Martinsburg, West Virginia. Go ahead. Yeah, I just have a, one comment to make. I hope there's more than one copy of that report. Why? You think they're going to destroy it? You think they're going to burn it like one of the members of Congress just asked oh, that I happened? I think they'll edit it. Yeah, they'll be, I mean, somebody will have a PDF. I'm not that worried about that. I think the way, the way you do this stuff, you don't do this stuff with the outright provable lie. You don't do this stuff with the real obvious burning of evidence. The way you do this stuff is by limiting the scope, by, by redacting documents and claiming that there's national security interests that are why you redacted it, and then just make sure the final decision maker on your judgment call, so first you apply a judgment call. You don't even have to destroy stuff. You just have to apply a judgment call. And then make Make sure whoever the final arbiter is of the judgment call, whether that's the Attorney General, Bill Barr, or the President, Donald Trump, or the Supreme Court, now welcome Brett Kavanaugh, that the final arbiter of that judgment call is someone who's on the team. You don't even have to do the other stuff, but I hear where you're coming from. All right. I sure hope you're right. Well, I, 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 what I said might be worse. 
I don't know if you should hope yeah. that I'm right. I, what I said might be worse. What I said is it, doesn't, it might not matter what's in it. But I think ultimately yeah. where I'm going to go in the, in the end of the show is that, and I did think we owed it to the facts and owed it to our audience. There's been so much attention on this to spend real time today going after it. But, yeah. I, but I do want to spend the, the most of this week, and even in my closing words today, not about the Mueller investigation, because to me the big things we got to be working for are how do we make sure we don't eviscerate the planet in with, with floods and fires? How do we make sure the middle class is still a thing? How do we make sure that democracy is still a thing? And that and, and to me, that is not all about a single president and certainly not about a single investigation. But Tom, thanks so much for calling. You're very welcome. Mark from San Francisco, go ahead. Yeah, basically, I think I'd like to see Mueller in front of Congress. Yeah, agreed. Uh, I, that needs to be done. Two years of this, we need to have him and have our people go through it with him because we'll get answers i think we're looking for from him not this stooge that trump appointed yeah and we'll get some answers and i think and i think at least then we'll understand a little bit more uh, but i hope i hope that some of our analysis won't just be like how do we dig in further the Mueller report but have but if what was ha- what happened there was a limiting of scope was making sure, okay, well, we're going to check to see if how, what are the interactions were between the Trump campaign and, and people directly linked to Putin or Putin himself, and instead say, well, what's going on with general corruption over here? But thanks for calling. I appreciate it. Hampton Bays, New York, says, Jim, Democrats lied on the Mueller report. Go ahead, Jim. I just don't understand why we don't get Christopher Steele and his other cohorts that wrote that ridiculous dossier, get them in front of Congress, give one of them immunity, and let them spill their guts. Who paid them? Who told them to write that? Who told them that Michael, that they had Michael Cohen in Prague, which no proof of? How about we take that whole piece of garbage that started this whole thing and rip it apart and put somebody in jail? Because to sit here from day one to think Donald Trump met with the Russians, and somehow sent us, you know, some kind of message for us to vote for Donald Trump. It's just ridiculous. And what the Russians did is working. They're tearing this country apart. They didn't care if Donald Trump got elected or Hillary Clinton. They love this. They're going to pull this country apart, and it's working right now. Agree with the second part. On the first part, so you think they tried to interfere with the elections. You don't think it mattered? I wasn't sure. And by the way, getting Christopher Steele, if there was a way to make sure the guy didn't get assassinated, uh, getting Christopher Steele in front of Congress, I'm all for it. But what is it? I mean, I know the narrative. I mean, I listen to enough right-wing radio and I listen, watch enough Fox News to understand the narrative. It's like all this stuff started with Christopher Steele. That's not my own view, by the way. Jim, you still with us? Yes, I'm with you. All right. You. So are you thinking that the first portion of the Mueller report, or at least the shadow of the Mueller report that we're aware of, is that there was Russian interference in the election. Do you think that that's not accurate, or that you don't care, or you still just blame all of that on Chris Steele? I think it's 100% accurate Yeah, that there was interference. Of course there was, but I think the problem is, is what the Republicans think they were doing and what the Democrats think they were doing is wrong. I think what the Russians wanted was... Listen, the Russians were giving money to Black Lives Matter, too. That's been proven, too. I think they're trying to build two opposite groups, far left, far right, and they're going to crush this country. They don't have to to send a single missile here. And you could see the proof. You could see on MSNBC. You could see on Fox. 
You can see them ripping us apart and everything that has to do with taking care of people and the environment, like you just said five minutes ago, is going to crap. Nobody's caring. Nobody cares. Jim, you know, I think I think the I think your point. I disagree with a few pieces of it, but I think your essential point is actually deeply important. And that how do we keep our eyes ahead on the on the most important stuff that's impacting the country? Where I would quibble a bit is that I, as you said, well, they don't care who won. I would disagree with that. I think they probably did care a little bit. I think they had a big objective of chaos. I mean, first of all, what the heck do I know? But I think they did have an objective of chaos. We could argue about which is their first objective. I do think that they would prefer to have somebody who was more in line with what they wanted. And I do think it's interesting to find out if it's, well, is that just because this person has policy views that are more in alignment with Russian policy interests, or is it also because of other stuff? That said, I recognize in the investigation of that last question, it does mean that we're spending so much time on that and missing spending time on other stuff. Right. It's not only the time, it's the thought process and yeah. it's, the, it's the anger of people that's really yeah. getting to us now. And that's going to tear us apart. And it's happening right now. I mean, you have so many people so far left and so far right. It's it's insanity. It has nothing to do with the the founding values of this country. You know, it's just it's. I'm sticking with this call for a little bit, listeners, because there's something really important here. And I think that very often I'm going to I'm going to interpret for me. I don't want to put words in your mouth. I'm going to interpret for me when you say far left and far right. What I hear or at least what I am concerned about is when we are motivated primarily not by in our political work, motivated not by what we're trying to accomplish or how we're trying to make the world better, but motivated more by how we're trying to destroy somebody who wears a different color t-shirt or voted for someone else. If we're motivated primarily by that kind of uh, partisanship, I think that tears us up. Advocating strongly for what you care about in order to make the world better, I think that to me I want to reward, not punish. Yeah, we're, we're really, uh, you know, we're really... Oh, they're, they're, they're taking us away from break. Jim, thanks for sticking with us for a little bit. So would you like to watch the Tom Harbin program? All three hours of our program, anytime you'd like. Would you like to hear special content where we talk about, you know, what the billionaires are up to or climate change or the newest things in science? There's all kinds of great content like that. That's also available. The place to find all this is the Tom Hartman channel over on Patreon. Patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, slash Tom Hartman, T-H-O-M-H-A-R-T-M-A-N-N, all run together. Patreon.com slash Tom Hartman. And there, when you become a supporter of the program through Patreon, you have access to the full three-hour show every day, anytime you want, any place you want, and special content that we put up every single week that is unique specifically to our Patreon page. So check it out, patreon.com slash Tom Hartman. Thank you. We are here for your final minutes of the Tom Hartman Show. I'm Jefferson Smith. We're going to start with speed round, and then I will give my closing thoughts of what I think happens now, or maybe even what I hope happens now. Speed round, that means everybody try to be quick. Tim from Beaverton, Oregon. Go ahead. Yeah, you know, there's a very simple answer to this, and nobody seems to, to want to put it together. 
Trump didn't need to collude. He didn't need to obstruct because the guy's a complete imbecile. What the Russians did is they met with him and said, this is what we're going to do, Donald. And then once we get it accomplished and you're in office, this is what you're going to have to do for us. That's why he's in Putin's back pocket. I don't see how people don't understand that. That, that is the Sarah Kenzier view, that, what, that it was pretty clear he didn't have to lift many fingers. And in fact, uh, if they carry that further, like, listen, it wasn't, that Trump wasn't a criminal mastermind. They just left the door open. And they never really thought it would get this far. And they probably never thought they were going to win. But they thought it would help with, certain, with, with their relationships with Russian money and maybe to, get a, maybe to get their brand out there. And who knows, maybe to go a little bit further in the election than they anticipated. And before they knew it, uh-oh, it had gotten worse. And, then they, and the reason it seemed like obstruction is because they were trying to put some of the genie back in the bottle. But they weren't trying to get, hack the emails. They just left the door open. Uh, but, but yeah, I appreciate the call. Barbara, we're in speed round Sun City, Arizona. Okay. Um, Iran-Contra, the aftermath on Wikipedia, read it. It's all there. And the Magnitsky Act is really what started this with John McCain promoting sanctions against Russia. And then just read um, the Iran-Contra aftermath. People died. Uh, Barr pardoned everybody as attorney general, including Casper Weinberger, who never even got to trial. Yep, and this is the piece that uh, that Tom Hartman has just written and that he'll be talking, I'm sure, when he gets back, and I was talking about earlier. Barbara, thank you so much. Uh, John from Cumberland, Maryland. Hey, howdy there. Listen, I agree with what uh, the young lady just said about the Magnitsky Act. I wish people would link that more clearly with Russian sanctions because I believe that was what was being discussed in Trump Tower by his kids instead of about some orphans issue. It was the Magnitsky Act where Putin and his oligarchs are, are the big beneficiaries of getting that lift, act lifted because they got about a gazillion dollars in foreign banks you know, being seized because of that. And if nobody knows who Magnitsky is, he was murdered by the Russians in prison because he was the accountant for Bill Browder's firm, the Heritage, now Hermitage Foundation, um, which, which set this whole thing off. Uh, Bill Browder was uh, an early investor in uh, post-Soviet Russia, and they basically cleaned him out, and the people who lost the most money in the Hermitage Foundation seizure were the Russian people. And this Magnitsky Act, enacted in 2012 by Congress and President Obama, has got to stay in place. And I'll tell you something, you know, this is the quid pro quo that went on up in that tower, and it's, and it's the reason that Putin and Trump are linked. But I don't think you're going to see that in the report. That's all I got. Appreciate the time, John. Tony, speed round from Toledo. Yeah, I just, I just want to comment the fact that the Mueller report is just another sign that we really don't have a democracy in this country anymore. We have a totalitarian republic. I mean, they do that all the time in totalitarian societies. They undereducate the people. You know, they get them back and forth talking about other things. And meanwhile, they take our money. They do what they want with it. They control the mass people. I mean, it's just history all over again. And the only way it's ever going to stop is if the people wake up and get together and go to D.C. and camp out and say, we're not going to leave until you people are out of there and you meet with our representatives and we have new elections. It's just going to go on and on and on. And, and, that, and Mark, excuse me, Tony, yeah, that's, gonna, that's pretty well adjacent to my uh, final thoughts that I'm going to offer in about a minute and a half. Linda, speed round. Yes, I want to suggest the hypothesis that Trump could be being blackmailed from Russia because 
didn't Michael Cohen mention he had business relations trying to build Trump Tower over there before the election? Yeah, that that is what much of the what much of the opening hypothesis has been. Uh, a different Mark from Prairie de Sac, Wisconsin. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Go ahead, Mark. You are. If you're innocent, you don't you don't ask for evidence to be destroyed. That's what they did here in Wisconsin when the John Doe two investigation closed up. Our Supreme Court said destroy the evidence. Um, you just don't. If you are innocent, you don't need the evidence destroyed. I hear you. I hear you. So let me connect a couple dots and then and then close. I want to I want to connect the. Uh, something that uh, Mark said, which is that this it's too much of a distraction. It's tearing us apart. Uh, Russia wasn't trying to buy a president. They were trying to rip up a nation. I don't think things, those things are mutually excuse, exclusive. And then Tony, who says this ain't a democracy. We've got to be uh, we, we've got to do more than just rely on a Mueller, Mueller report. We've got to, he said, camp out. And then John, who said, uh, who linked said, this is really all about the Magnitsky Act. Let me connect those things. The, uh, to me, the deep theme, the, uh, the base note that needs to undergird the cacophonous trouble is that there is, in fact, it's not just about Trump, and it's not just about Putin, it's not just about some one report. It is about the corruption and subversion of democracy by oligarchy. That's the big story. That's actually what connects the Magnitsky Act and even Mark's comment that it's tearing us apart. That what we have to be vigilant about is how do we make sure that the people are in charge? And not just folks who hold tremendous financial resource are in charge. And how do we make sure that the system of decision making is there to benefit the most people, not only benefit the people with the largest financial resource? That's how this stuff is connected. That if you recognize that even the worst hypothesis, that what this might really have been about, was just a big money grab or a money holding on to by international and national oligarchs. And what they wanted to make sure was that there wasn't a system of democracy that would make sure that good things were happening and that that money wasn't threatened. What I'm saying is this might be good news. It might be good news. I'm not saying a silver lining, but at least a steel lining. And we need to steel ourselves. We shouldn't have expected that one investigation would correct democracy because it hasn't been one president who has been subverting it. We have to work more than just for the next couple of minutes and more than just one radio show. We've got to work for the next years, not for one election, but for years. We're going to be talking about that all week. We'll be touching on the Mueller stuff, I'm sure. What we're really going to be talking about is what's really important. You are the coalition of the benevolent irrational, the good people doing good things for no good reason. Without you, democracy is not possible. With you, we got a chance. Thanks for being with us today. I'll be back tomorrow. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. 